Good morning. I'm Riley, and for this portion of Lifestyle Tucson, I will be speaking with Mike McGrath and Mark Martinez from the Rialto Theater. Hi, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. We're happy to spread the good word and uh, and also to get the word out about our uh, photo ex- exhibition. To start things off, could you offer a bit of history for anyone who is new to the area and maybe unfamiliar with the Rialto Theater and its cultural significance to our Tucson community? Well, this is Michael Allstart. The Rialto uh, was built in 1920. It has been an active place for uh, movies and in recent years, music. Um, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we were uh, didn't have the opportunity to have a big uh, fiesta for the 100th birthday, but we're gonna have one after we get reopened and the music starts. Uh, right now we do either there or at our sister venues, uh, nearly 350 to 400 shows annually. We get a lot of people in excess of 185,000 people a year coming down to the Rialto for events and music presentation. Mark, anything else you can think of that's... Um, Just it's a unique building, just being able to walk around and see different things in the building and all the different events that happen there. It's just, it's an amazing. Definitely a little piece of history for the community. And we have at this point reached a full calendar year since the Rialto Theater had to shutter its doors because of the pandemic. I I would like to know how has the Rialto been faring? What have you done to keep your name out there and remind people that, yes, we're here, we're waiting for the return? Well, yeah, you... We also have been pretty active on the social media, just keeping everybody in mind that uh, we're still here. We've also um, are just about to conclude the Marquee Project, where we gave uh, people in Tucson the opportunity to post messages up on the Marquee, birthday wishes, anniversaries. We had a marriage proposal, um, a lot of different things, and, and thanking the community for uh, keeping the theater in their, in their thoughts and, and helping preserve the theater. And, and Riley, one of the things we're doing to sort of get people back in the theater doors is starting on April the 2nd, we will be starting the Rialto Theater Photographic uh, Project. And I'm here with Mark Martinez, one of the house photographers whose work will be featured together with uh, Elliot, another house photographer, and Ryan Trade, a local design artist who's long worked with the Rialto. We're going to have uh, a number of images displayed from their collections. Mark and Elliot have probably in excess of 500,000 images of, uh, of music events that have taken place at the theater. So we have selected and printed into large size formats some of their photography work. Uh, Mark just took a look at some of the prints. They're beautiful, and uh, we hope folks will come down and, and We'll help you remember some of the great shows you've seen at the Rialto, and uh, we're pretty excited about that. That'll be every Friday and Saturday night until the music starts, and it starts the weekend of April 2nd and 3rd. Can you tell me a little bit more about the gallery project itself? You mentioned photography and posters. Are there any specific shows you can kind of give us a little teaser of what we might see if I was to show up at the Rialto on Friday? Well, there's some photos. Uh, there's, see, the Abbott Brothers, Black Keys, um, I believe the Sonic Youth. 
Cafe Tacuba. We have a greatest hits board with uh, Elvis Costello and David Byrne and uh, some of the big shows we've done over the years. It's going to be terrific, and, and Mark and Elliot's prints really look beautiful. They've been mounted and framed, and uh, Ryan Freight's collection of, of events is also very cool. So it, it should be really interesting. Uh, get people into the theater again. They can walk up on stage, walk around the theater. Uh, Mark, it's all being done in a socially distant way. How, how are you? How is that? We're following the CDC guidelines. Um, we're going to ask everybody to wear a mask as they enter the building. We'll do temperature checks at the door. All the traffic flow will be in one direction, so there's no mingling. Uh, it's limited to groups of four, up to four people, and they're going to be timed out uh, every 10 minutes, so there's really no clustering of people. And uh, you'll walk through the theater and uh, see different, uh, view different displays, and you'll actually go walk up onto the stage and then circle back down. And once you've uh, gone through the event and checked out all the displays, you, we give you the opportunity to step outside onto our patio and have a cocktail or two or enjoy some uh, gourmet popcorn courtesy of Bob's. We'll also have prints of, uh, of some of the, the works that are hanging, uh, T-shirts, other Rialto memorabilia. We've got uh, Rialto emblazoned masks for uh, folks that might need them. So it should be a lot of fun on Friday and Saturday nights in downtown Tucson at Rialto starting the 2nd of April. It's also a way to get out a little bit in a safe and fun manner. And I just wanted to bring up, this is free to come check out with your group. Instead, you're going to have the possibility for items to purchase at the end of the tour. Is that correct? That's correct. And, and it is free, but it, we everybody has to make a reservation to attend. And just go to RialtoTheater.com, and uh, there's a calendar on there. That once you click on the link, and it shows you what uh, time slots are available. Wonderful. And as you mentioned, this is going to be running starting April 2nd through TBD, to be disclosed, I guess, whenever the music finally gets to return. We hope that the music returns sooner rather than later, but we expect the, uh, the photograph exhibition to be up for uh, several months here until it's safe to have, uh, to have music concerts again. Well, are there any other plans uh, moving forward for the Rialto that you would like to share? You mentioned how eventually you will have the 100th anniversary bash. Uh, just hasn't had anything been able to be set in stone. Yeah, we're as of yet somewhat uncertain as to when the music will restart, but we feel pretty confident uh, that we'll have our ninth annual Rialto Gala next February. That's uh, quite a party with... Uh, uh, lots of stuff to see and eat and drink and listen to. Usually gets a big crowd. We have it right in the Rialto. It's our big fundraiser of the year. People are always telling me what a great time that they have at the Rialto Gala, and that's on our calendars for next February. All right, so we can pencil that in. But for now, I guess we can save the date, April 2nd, for the kickoff of the gallery project out at the Rialto Theater. And it'll be running Fridays and Saturdays until the music returns. 
So I've been speaking with uh, Mike and Mark from the Rialto Theater, and I thank you very much for taking this time to uh, give us a little update and invite the community to come check out some really wonderful photography and posters. Thanks a lot, Riley. We hope you and your listeners will come on down and, and get back in the Rialto again. Be nice to just step through those doors again. It's always exciting walking through those doors. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cool. Bye-bye. For this next portion of Lifestyle Tucson, I will be speaking with Lisa Chastain, the CEO of Gospel Rescue Mission. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you? Good. Oh, pretty fantastic, I would say. Well, glad to get this opportunity to have a little chat with you. And you are the CEO of Gospel Rescue Mission. And uh, being that Tucson in southern Arizona is just a rapidly growing community, um, always like to keep in mind newcomers to the area. Could you give us a little bit of a background about the Gospel Rescue Mission, some of the history and mission of the organization? Sure. The Gospel Rescue Mission started in 1953 um, by my grandfather, actually, Ray Chastain, and uh, who has worked for the Southern Pacific Railroad and grew compassion for the hobos riding the rails and um, would slowly bring them, you know, food and coats until that just the compassion consumed him. And so he quit the railroad after, uh, after decades and started the mission. So back then, it was really just to shelter those that were experiencing homelessness with a soup kitchen. They called it back then, they called it Soup, Soap, and Salvation. And that's what they did. And through the years, it has grown exponentially. We've had gone through phases in 1992. We started a women's center. And just as the, as, the, as the problems increase or the obstacles increase that homelessness face, so has the mission expanded to be the solution for those problems. Mm-hmm. So in 2019 became our big growth spurt, and we moved into the old Holiday Inn Holodome Hotel on South Palo Verde that is the center of opportunity, and that was a huge expansion for us. And we were in the process of looking for a bigger men's center and had not this in mind whatsoever, but this really just grew our capacity by leaps and bounds. So now we're able to serve the homeless in a larger capacity and in a collaborative way. So you said 2019 was your big growth year, and then 2020 happened and the pandemic. It changed so many people's lives. I'm kind of curious, looking back over this last year, how has gospel rescue mission felt the impact yeah um obviously we have all felt an impact through this pandemic but for us it was very interesting timing because like i said we moved in here in 2019 and by the second day we were open we had 250 people checked in so it was kind of like drinking water from a fire hose and we were going a thousand miles an hour there was so much to do So then uh, COVID hit, and we uh, immediately dropped the capacity to 50%. We were able to to serve at that capacity by doing basically every other bed. And we navigated every single day like everybody else did. You know, we had no idea the length of what we were dealing with or the severity of what we were dealing with. So it was a daily reorganization every day. But I tell you, it's like um, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of silver linings that came out of that, and that is 
by just having to drop the capacity, it really gave us a chance to slow down and kind of reorganize and restructure the handle, you know, this large capacity. And the other great thing is we have private rooms here on the property too. We have 51 private rooms. So it allowed us to stay open, not close one single day through the whole virus crisis because we had rooms to isolate. So as soon as somebody became sick or symptomatic or possible exposure, we were able to isolate those individuals and uh, protect it from the whole community. So I'm very fortunate about that because we were able to, you know, serve the homeless every single day through the whole virus crisis. Mm-hmm. So now that things are starting to, uh, there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we're still at 50 capacity, 50% capacity because we don't want to uh, be overzealous in that regard, but things are starting to loosen up and a lot of our staff have already received vaccination and, and the guests are starting to get vaccinated. So now when we're back up to our 350 shelter bed capacity, I think we'll have uh, stronger legs. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me just a little bit more about the programs that the Gospel Rescue Mission offers? Yes. Yeah, so Gospel Rescue Mission offers shelter is our mm-hmm. you know, number one thing. Anybody experiencing homelessness can come for shelter and meals. That's just basics. So let's get them off the streets, let's shelter, warm place to warm place to sleep, hot shower, wash their clothes, get warm meal. But in addition to that, if somebody is experiencing homelessness because of lack of employment, and Lord, we've seen a lot mm-hmm. of that lately. Definitely. Uh, lack of employment and or lack of housing, you know, there's serious lack of low income housing here as well that they can come here and we put them in programs. So we have a whole staff that is committed to helping in those areas. So we have a full workforce development staff that um, helps not only find jobs, but gives them the tools to hopefully keep a job. So they go through and they do skills assessment and help them build their resume and do mock interviews. We provide professional clothing. We get them to their interviews. So I can, you know, say that uh, that's been very successful for us lately. We've uh, placed about 250 of our guests in jobs in the last four months. It's been amazing. And um, so then also those that might have a job but don't have housing, we'll try to help. We help them secure housing as well. Mm -hmm. So then um, a lot of people are struggling with mental health and a lot of people are struggling with addiction. We do have a a long-term addiction recovery program here that is faith-based, and that is a long program. So it's between 9 and 12 months, but we have so much success with our our people that are going through our addiction recovery course. And so then after they completed the addiction recovery curriculum, then we're able to do the same thing and give them an opportunity to find jobs and find housing. So we we have a very wide variety of services here. But in addition to that, there's a lot of other things that people face. The challenges is more than what we can offer. And so now we're partnering together. We pre-COVID, we have 32 organizations here at the Center of Opportunity providing services to the obstacles um, that that homeless face. 
So like legal services and medical and dental and government benefits and, you know, IDs and birth certificates, you know, the things that we don't even think about are huge obstacles for homeless to reenter society. We tend to think of gospel rescue mission around the holidays. That's always something that triggers in my mind. And I was looking at the Facebook page for the organization, and I saw that you're preparing for an Easter to-go event. Could you give me some details on what that is? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think COVID for all of us uh, kind of caused us to be innovative. And Gospel Rescue Mission has a tradition of holiday meals that we give out to the community. Just like Thanksgiving last year, we just had to pivot, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're not going to not provide basic necessities of life when it's needed more than ever. So we had to figure out a way to do that. And we did that through a drive-through scenario. So this Easter is our very first Easter outreach, but we thought that the timing was good. We actually had it scheduled for Easter 2020, and obviously that was derailed. Mm-hmm. But we weren't going to let, you know, another, another you know, COVID get us off, off track for another year. So we're doing a, we're calling it Easter's Blessings to Go, and we're providing meals, Easter brunch meals on April 2nd from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. here at the Center of Opportunity, and it's a drive-through. It's fun because we're making it kind of a procession, if you will, so it's not just meals. Like, they'll go through a whole procession in their vehicles, and they'll have Easter baskets for the kids, and flowers and cookies are handed out, meals for the whole family in addition to a resource box with hygiene items and non-perishable food to you know, supplements their needs, as well as we do give an option at the very end for them to pull out for prayer if they, if that is needed. We did that whole model through at Thanksgiving, and we found it very successful and fun for the people to go through. And we're hoping that we can just, you know, be a blessing uh, in this difficult time for people, for the community. This also happens to be the time of year when people are thinking about Arizona tax credit donations. Would a donation to the Gospel Rescue Mission count for that? They sure do. So, um, so yeah, get your um, your checkbook out and write write a check to Gospel Rescue Mission instead of the instead <laughs> of the IRS. So um, that's till April fifteenth. So we are a charitable tax credit organization. So we appreciate that. We accept eight hundred dollars if you're filing jointly, four hundred dollars if you file single. And um, you can find more out more about that on our website as well. And, you know, as we were mentioning, you know, the pandemic's effects have been so wide reaching. And are there ways that people who aren't in a position where they can show financial support to the Gospel Rescue Mission, is there a way that they can still lend a hand or donate or help out? Absolutely. So in addition to financial support, we always need volunteer support. I know that a little challenging right now, but we are seeing more and more volunteers return. It takes about 300 volunteers a week to supplement the work that we do when we're at full capacity. Volunteers are a bloodline here. We would appreciate you giving your time and talents to Gospel Rescue Mission. But in addition to that, we also collect in-kind contributions from the community. So we all know that 2020 was a huge, you know, clean out your closet because we're stuck at home. So uh, we accept clothing and and, uh, furniture and household items, 
every single day of the week at both of our locations here at uh, Center of Opportunity 4550 South Palo Verde, as well as our Women's Recovery Center at 707 West Miracle Mile. So let me tell you, I mean, that has been, we were flooded with donations last year. And the great thing about it is we're just a pass-through. You know, we'll collect the items, and we're the only organization in town that does not have a thrift store. We give it right back out to the low-income families um, absolutely free of charge. Mm -hmm. Well, for anyone who wants to learn some more uh, about volunteering or donating or, on the other hand, would like to reach out and, you know, get in contact for some help from the Gospel Rescue Mission. What, uh, what's the best methods of contact and where to find you? Yeah, we try to make the website a hub, and that is grmtucson.com. And also you can give us a call at 740-1501, and you can find all of the resources available there. And feel free to call us if you don't have access um, to the Internet, and we will be happy to happy to help you wonderful well is there any other news or upcoming things from the gospel rescue mission that you would like to share oh my gosh there's always news <laughs> but um we started phase two of the center of opportunity right after we opened in 2019 so we actually have five brand new buildings on the property that is 6,000 square foot medical and dental facility. We have a job training center to teach people trades so they can get a higher paying job. We have a warehouse, a full uh, wellness center with a workout gym, an exercise room. We are excited about that. We're just finalizing all of those buildings. We're looking at having those services open uh, in May. And we're going to have a phase two grand opening hopefully in, in October. So, yeah, if you haven't come out, please call, and, and we'd love to give you a tour. Uh, it's one thing to talk about it, but it's a whole other thing to come and experience it. So we'd love to invite you out so you can see the great work that's being done here. Wonderful, and it sounds like just more room to grow and help out more of the homeless community. Thank you so much for taking some time to have this chat with me and share some information about uh, the Gospel Rescue Mission and what's in store for the future. Thank you, Riley. Really appreciate you getting the word out. Of course. Well, take care, and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. You too. For this portion of Lifestyle Tucson, I am speaking with Kim Kirshner from the Institute for Better Education. Hi, Riley. It's Kim with the Institute for Better Education. Hi, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How about yourself? Fantastic. Well, uh, I guess I would like to kind of start things off. For those who are unfamiliar, can you give us a little bit of a background uh, on the function and mission of the Institute for Better Education? Absolutely. So the Institute for Better Education, or IBE, has been around since the Arizona Private School Tax Credit Program began, which is almost 24 years. So for a very long time, Arizona taxpayers have had the opportunity to have a choice and a say where their state tax dollars are directed. So they can make the decision to say, I would like to help a child, even a specific child, in an Arizona private school, or they might recommend a specific school or even our most needed fund, which allows us to help children from low-income families attend a school that their family knows is best for them. What schools uh, do you work with in the community? 
We actually work with any eligible private school in Arizona. Right now, that's over 300 schools that we have the opportunity to provide tax credit scholarships for, whether they're of a low-income family, maybe a child with a disability or been in the foster care system, families who need additional financial resources to attend a school because a private school option should be on the table for everybody. Is all of the money for the scholarships provided through this tax credit? We are 100% funded by tax, tax credit donations. So a tax credit donation to IBE is literally dollar for dollar, meaning that when they give a donation to IBE of $1,000, let's say, it will either reduce what they owe the state of Arizona at tax time or it will increase their refund by the exact same number. So it doesn't cost the taxpayer anything. They make the donation to IBE before they file their taxes. Then they file a form with their taxes, their state taxes, that says, I made this donation. So now they're not responsible for paying the Department of Revenue those same monies. So how many families does IBE assist? Thousands. We work with thousands of families. And I will tell you that due to the pandemic and all that's been going on with the schooling in the country, uh, even especially in Arizona for us specifically, Many families have been turning to private school because they maybe want there or they feel their child needs an in-person learning environment. So we are having so many more applications this year as opposed to previous years due to that. And that means the thousands that we've always helped, it has increased by literally another thousand families. And how much aid does IPA provide for those families? So every tax credit donation uh, for a married couple filing jointly, they, if their tax liability will support it, they can give up to $2,365. We award 92% of that as a scholarship to a family. So, And families can get multiple scholarships. So if they have a uh, community that would like to support them, their friends, family, neighbors, whoever they're uh, associated with, can recommend their child. Now, it is a recommendation only. IDE is under no obligation to uh, provide that award to the recommended students, but we are allowed to honor it by law, which if we do, that family has 92% of that donation, and they can easily receive up to their full tuition. Plus, IDE also provides financial need-based scholarships um, in addition. So this means more families can be helped and served. So you mentioned 92%. May I ask what that other 8% is going to, just in case people are curious? Of course. The law allows a school tuition organization, and that's what IBE is, we're also called it STO, to keep up to 10% of all donations to basically run their nonprofit. Out of those monies, and we do keep less because being a larger STO, uh, last year, we awarded over $20 million to the Arizona family. So we are one of the larger STOs in the state. We keep less of that 8%. Close to 3% alone goes to credit card fees. And then everything else needed to run a business. Um, we have to, we have staff, we have, you know, business supplies, mm-hmm. all the things that are needed. And that 8%, we're, we feel very fortunate that it's very low compared to most charitable organizations that we're able to run a business especially the size of IBE on those funds. Mm-hmm. Running the whole thing on just that 8%. It was uh, just announced Wednesday that the deadline for taxes has been postponed now until May 17th, as opposed to the typical April 15th. Is that make any changes for IBE? 
Well, as of today, we, uh, the governor of Arizona has not said that the state is going to follow suit with the federal decision. So this, the federal taxes have the deadline now of May 17th. That being said, if, in fact, the governor decides to extend our tax filing deadline to May 17th for state taxes, if he follows suit like last year, that does not mean people have the opportunity to extend paying their taxes or providing a, or doing a tax credit donation, donation tax credit donation. Mm-hmm. So donations for tax credits, my feeling is, is are still going to be due by April 15th of this year, even if they're filing their taxes later. So that's what happened last year. Uh, even though it was three months, we had a, an extension for state taxes. All tax credit donations were still due last year by April 15th. My thought is it will be the same this year, but we haven't had the official word from the governor yet. All right. Well, it's good to know to keep in mind uh, since that time is approaching (laughs) fairly quickly. Yes, it is. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, 25% of our donations come in between April 1st and April 15th. And last year, that was over $5 million. So people are doing their tax credit donations now. So any family who is thinking private school is for them, please contact us because you're not too late to have people recommend your child because people are doing those credits now. And for those who do want to uh, get connected with IBE, find out some more, maybe make their tax uh, credit donation, how do they get a hold of you? Where to find you? Great question. Yes. So we're in Tucson. We're just up at Speedway and Swan is our location. People can stop by and see us. They can call us at 520-512-5438 or reach out to us on our website at ibescholarships.org. They have the opportunity to apply or donate everything they need through the website. But truly, if they call, we would love to talk to them. If you are part of a nonprofit organization that would like to be featured on an upcoming episode of Lifestyle Tucson, you can reach out to us at publicaffairs at azlotus.com. That's publicaffairs, all one word, at azlotus.com. And for more information about the Lifestyle Tucson program, go to the Sunday Mornings page at mixfm.com, kfma.com, klpx.com, or espntucson.com.